Hello listeners, welcome to the Williams Project podcast. It's fantastic to be back with you all again. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to have a healthy business-to-business relationship. Great topic, Blair. Great topic. And I actually purposely haven't shown you yet to get a reaction on the podcast, but um, have a look at my view. Yeah, it's How cool. good. So, yeah, Matthew's in um, Singapore right now, and I'm in Christchurch, and Matthew's just panning around showing me like palm trees in a swimming pool, and I'm panning around showing him uh, my four white walls, which is my spare bedroom slash home office. Your office is quite gangster, though. I love that picture of the two cocks fighting two cocks that you fought fighting. in Bali. Yeah, and a photo of Captain James Cook. That is just gangster. Um, but yeah, it's good. To so be with yeah, both I'm of us. in the beautiful. I'm in the. I'm in the beautiful Sentosa Island of Singapore. I will be in our Singapore office Monday. Um, very excited. We've got such a good team there. Like you walk in and they're just such beautiful people. Um, right, topic. Every business slash pretty much every person needs to maintain some form of business-to-business relationship. Now, what is a business-to-business relationship? That is... When you work at a business, which most people do, and you require the services of another business that is not your customer. So it's like um, the person that does your photocopier, the person that stocks your fridges with alcohol, the person that you buy plywood from to build houses. There's thousands of business-to-business relationships that you need to maintain. And Williams Corporation, we are famous for how we do business with external parties. And we always say the same thing. We say, be organized, pay your bills on time, and treat people with respect. So that is our triangle, the three things we focus on business-to-business relationships. So should we break each of those three down, Blair, into into a more practical list with examples? Is that how you see the episode running? Yeah, so I suppose if we start off with um, probably the one like treating them with respect, and I think there's like heaps of different things to talk about when it comes to treating another business that you do business with with respect. And I suppose the main thing is is if you're the one buying their goods and services, that doesn't make you better than them because you're the one paying them. So I think it's always trying to treat them as a I need you just as much as a you need me. Whereas like you don't go or you supply my photocopier and I pay you so I get to tell you what to do and how to do it on what I'll pay. It's more, if I don't have a photocopier, that's going to cause me a whole lot of issues, much like if the photocopier company doesn't have good customers, it's going to cause them issues, and treating them with respect is treating it like a mutual, mutually beneficial relationship. But so, instead of the, yeah, so instead of the standard customer service provider, you're talking about a partnership. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, you're right. That's in the, sense the mentality. Of like, if you're acting as a individual customer and you walk into a store, there's always that saying of the customer's always right. I do think when it's a business-to-business relationship, it's more of having an open, honest, mutual relationship, not a hierarchy. So I'd say yeah, that's step agreed. one of, of what we mean by treating suppliers or contractors or whoever uh, with respect. <laughs> And the second thing I would say is understanding the key people involved in that decision. So, oh, sorry, not in that decision, in that business. So let's just say you're talking about um, 
I'm, I'm going to use purchasing windows at Williams Corporation just because we have a very deep relationship there. But it's like, right, who is the owner? Well, the owner's Jeff Bull. Okay, who's the owner's wife? Who are the owner's kids? If I'm out and I see the owner, his wife, his kids, do I know their first names? Do I know who they are? Do I make sure that I treat them with respect and dignity and know them and create a relationship deeper than business? Okay, step down. Who is senior management? Do I have a relationship with senior management? Who's the guy that does our takeoffs? Who's the person that makes sure the Williams Corporation houses are measured correctly? Right, who's the person that enters it into the computer? Who's the person that manufactures it? Uh, or the lots that, that have hundreds of workers. But have we been on the factory floor? Have we met the guys? Who are the dispatchers? Who are the truckers? And building a deep relationship where when a Williams Corporation job flows through that factory, they're going to nail it because we are good, decent people that have taken the time to build a deeper relationship than just sending them a job and saying, quote these windows. I think it's also, it's one of those things of like actually giving a shit and building a relationship with people you do business with. And it's quite a fine line because depending on what business you're in, but for example, Matthew and I don't have time to go out for coffee and dinner with every single supplier or contractor that does our work or is propositioning us for our work. So it's only it's not kidding yourself of going, oh, someone wants to supply me a photocopier. Oh, they invited me for lunch, so I'll go to lunch and get to know them. But it's something that eventually once a business-to-business relationship reaches a point of size or maturity or longevity or whatever that trigger point might be, it is important to get to know those key people. I don't think it's as essential when it's like, it's just like a one-off purchase or this or that, but you know what you do in your business, you know what those really key sort of supply chain metrics are, and it's like, right, I need to get to know these people. We need to organise like a quarterly meetup or a dinner or a lunch or like Matthew said, go visit their factory floor. And I think it's it gets harder as you get a bigger business, but making sure you're not a faceless business where all it is just emails back and forth and invoices back and forth and payments back and forth, it's actual they genuinely care at a personal level how your business is going and you care on a personal level how their business is going. Yeah, but where I'd slightly disagree, Blair, yes, you and I lose capacity to do that, but our people don't, right? You've got, sorry, there's like a horn going off in the background. Um, Your your people don't lose the ability to. Jap Deep can meet all those people. Carl can meet all those people. Sandeep can meet all those people. All our people and our quantity surveying team can still maintain those relationships based on those core values that we've instated. Yeah, 100%. I think another point on the um, treating those business relationships with respect is you always have to be really honest with them. And what I mean by that is, like at Williams Corporation, we have key trades where they're really important to us, they do most of their work, but because we don't want to overload them and we have peak inflows of work, and we have a fiduciary obligation to make sure we are getting value for money, there is a degree of we do sometimes need a second, third or fourth trade in that industry. And it's just being honest with those key suppliers and not just sort of going, oh, sorry, I haven't got around to looking at that quote yet. Oh, sorry, I just forgot to send you that job for tender. It's about being honest of, I really like our relationship, but also I really need to have a second option. There's no intention to give you less work. If anything, we're bringing in a second option because we're growing. 
so you should still see more work from the previous year. However, I can't say to someone that I've done everything in my power to make sure we don't have um, built-in interruptions if I only have one supplier and that's the only person I've ever dealt to, ever spoken to. I know you're good, I want you to do most of our work, but I just need the second option. And it's just learning about being honest, not trying to just sort of fudge what the issue is or just start avoiding their phone calls or avoiding their emails because they're going to find out anyway if they didn't get a job or you've changed something or you've price checked them, whatever it may be. So you're better off to, like we talked about, have a genuine business-to-business relationship where it's just open, honest and transparent because they'll respect that so much more than finding out secondhand that you gave a job away and didn't tell them. Yeah, and that is a completely fair decision for a business to make. You, you've been absolutely perfect in our relationship. We intend to give you 80% of our work, but we need to have a backup option. We need to have another relationship in place, or that would be irresponsible for me as a director for a business of our size. And, and that is part of business. And not all business is nice, fun discussions. Not all business is all this cushy, nice stuff. Like Sometimes you have to take three really deep breaths and do a phone call you really don't want to do because it upsets you, right? But you just have to do it. And as like you know, the, biz- the longer you leave it, the suckier it gets. If business was easy, everyone would be tycoons. Yeah. Um, so now, let's go to the next part, right? Being organized. Understanding that the people you're dealing with have employees, staff, families, commitments, bills, And if you are not organized, it is significantly more difficult for them to do their job. And so you should be taking steps constantly to make your business more organized so the people that you are doing business with have an easier experience doing business with you. Now, that'll cause three things. One, it'll be enjoyable. Everyone enjoys working on an organized project. Two, it means they'll be able to give you better prices because their business will run more efficiently. And three, everyone involved makes more money. Be organized. There is no excuse ever not to be organized. And guess why most people aren't organized, Blair? Well, I was going to say, I'd say there's no excuse not to be organized, but at the same time, I think there's times when you try your best to be organized and it's just a bit of a fuck up. But I suppose it's more... Oh, that's different. That's the one in in 100. you have to be making a conscious effort of going, how can I assist this business to supply their product or service to my business? And that's why a lot of people have been caught out in the construction industry with lead times, for example. Like, for example, plasterboard. It used to be very common in construction where you'd go, okay, I've got my pre-line in two weeks' time. I will call up my rep now and say, hi, can I book my plasterboard in for two weeks' time? Now a whole lot of people are still trying to do that and they've been told, hey, no, you can't. There is a three-month wait. Whereas, like at Williams Court, we go as early as we possibly know we're building this development. Let's just tender it out, give everyone a heads up, and then we'll say as soon as we have consent, we'll send you a purchase order. But please at least schedule it in um, because we're intending to start and intending for you to come do your job. And like Matthew said, it comes down to also having that um, treating with respect of you want to help them do their job. Giving them last minute notice is not only unorganized, it's also very disrespectful, especially if when you come to be one of their large accounts, you can't use that and hold it over the head, go, well, we give you heaps of work, so just get it done. I don't care about your excuse. It's much better when you have that one in 100 fuck up. You say, 
hey, um, I really need to use my annual favor. This completely slipped through the cracks. I understand it's a fuck up and it's really late notice. Can you help me here? And that's a one in 100 phone call, not a every single job. There's some sort of painful thing you've just completely <laughs> forgotten. Bang on. So then coming to our third point, which is paying your bills on time. So how do you pay your bills on time? One, you need a sufficient cash management plan. So, well, one, you need to be profitable, but let's just assume that you're a good business owner running a profitable business. You need a cash management plan to make sure at time of paying bills, you always have sufficient cash. Now, preferably that should have been stated at the start of your business and then audited monthly or quarterly, even yearly is fine sometimes, but make sure you have a plan to always have sufficient cash on hand. And I'll give you a wee tip, you always need way more than you ever expect. So whatever you're planning, just chuck heaps more in there. Two, you need an efficient process of how you award a business a job to do for you, how you formalize that, how you confirm it's done, how you receive their invoice, and how you pay it before the date it's due. Now, that sounds really simple, but for some reason, it must be something about... It must be something about accountants, people that look at screens all day. They'll try and not follow that process and not complete that loop. So then you need an audit procedure around that as well. And I also sympathize with people that spend all day looking at numbers rolling through spreadsheets. Like at Williams Corporation, the last bill as of June, uh, July 2020, the last bill cycle we did, you're talking like eight to 10,000 bills paying $28 million or something I like, ridiculous. I like how you said July 2020. We're literally in June 2022. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck. like two years. Like the time zone <laughs> to get into you, mate. Fuck yeah. I'm, I am actually, I am a bit run down. Um, but like, um, I was trying. Like Matthew said, it's actually surprisingly hard to be like, I've accepted this quote. Here is a purchase order. When you finish the work, send me your invoice along with my purchase order and this quality assurance form. And then my QS will save that down, then pass it on the accountant who will put it into zero, then load a batch payment, then pay the batch payment, then reconcile it, then send a statement. Like there's actually a yeah. lot of moving parts between reconciling quotes, purchase order, variations, invoices, statements, batch payments. It's a fucking nightmare. But it's Do you know what we actually should do? We should write that. Even though that's a currently a written process, we should um, write that as a flowchart. We should write that as a flowchart and pin it up in the QS office and the accounting office so they can actually see it traveling. 100%. But also, we are we don't we don't we don't miss bills. Like we are legendary at paying bills, but it's because Blair and I are like hypochondriacs about it. We're yeah. always there. Have we paid it's always bills? Been, it's, it's always been the whole sunlight's the greatest disinfectant. We've always shone the light on. It is really important to pay all of our supplies and contractors on time or early. And don't worry, if someone sends a stupid invoice for work they didn't fucking do or it's completely wrong, we will hold that invoice back. Like we teach yeah. our suppliers and contractors. If you have to do extra work, make sure you still invoice the same as your quote and then send an additional invoice for any variation, which means that at least your base invoice will get processed as per normal and then your variation should but also that becomes like the bit of the shitty pile that takes a lot longer to go through. There might be some back and forth QA. 
so we don't want to hold your main invoice because we're waiting on information relating to your variation. And it's all about if you are the one in this business-to-business relationship paying the other business, you need to communicate what your expectations are. You can't just get an invoice with a variation on and go, oh, our variation policy is we just put those on hold until the end of the month and deal with it then when they start chasing us. That might be fine, but you still have to tell the other business what your policy is. You can't just ignore it and just not pay them. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, I highly recommend. So pretty much every business will have a terms of service. If you are the person paying, I recommend making a terms of payment. So essentially what we do is at Williams Corporation, when we receive someone's terms of service, we just add our terms of payment and just say this supersedes your agreement and sign it. Because when we're paying, like I said, $28 million of bills in a month, we can't be running, let's, how many, pay, how many receipts? I don't know. It'd be heaps. It'd be hundreds. way more than that. It'd be hundreds. Anyway, we can't be running 300 different systems for each business we deal with. There's, what's the saying? He who holds the gold makes the rules. We hold the gold, but we, we're not a tyrant when we make the rules. They're fair, decent rules for everyone involved to do business with. Right, and they're just standardised. Yeah. But yeah. I think, I think this, like, we've, we've done well with our B2B relationships, I think, especially in the early days, and now we're doing our best to make sure we're instilling the same sort of mentality in the people we now put in charge of a lot of this because of our size. I think what we've always done well is just genuinely building a relationship with who we do business with, not because we're trying to suck up or get better pricing, but it's because like you'll get to deal with high-level managers, other business owners, and like it is interesting. It's like, tell us about your business. What are your plans this year? Have you grown? Have you had a good year, a bad year? Do you have a factory I can come look through? Who are your key staff? Let's go on a trip to this building expo once a year to bloody Sydney or wherever it may be. Like it is a lot of fun, especially as a business owner where you go, I can't meet people like myself because I'm a business owner and my staff don't understand, which a lot of people say. So it's like, great, you do business with heaps of other businesses, go genuinely give a shit about them and you'll meet some really great people. Yeah, but then also, um, as you get bigger like we are, we're starting to get some really, really high level staff that would trump lots of these business owners that you deal with not fuck i've got to be careful not to offend anyone not to offend the business owners we deal with not to offend our stuff what i'm saying is just when a business hits a critical mass you do start to have extremely high level people within that business as well yeah 100 percent. yeah so i also think there's there's something in and i don't think we've nailed this as a business training the team to really build a deep a deeper relationship than would otherwise be reasonably expected because the problem is it's something that's unmeasurable yeah it's actually just down to does the individual person like hanging out or communicating with this other individual and and also it's kind of like it's not a forced friendship but it kind of like Here's a list of 200 people. I want you to go make friends with as many of them as you can. And then there's also the business side of it of here are 200 businesses that we do business with. Make sure this is how you interact with them. 
but it's a complete different agenda of go try and make friends with these 200 people what's the saying it's like a um a bad manager will look like they're doing a great job and a great manager will look like they're not doing their job yeah like yeah because a bad manager's like on the phone can you sort this can you sort that blah 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 where a great manager's just sitting there yeah, I can't book. Hey, I've read a book and it talks about that. Where it's like, yeah, the problem with like a great manager is you assume they're doing nothing because they can just sit there doing nothing because they've done it all and it's running perfectly. And most businesses or corporates go, hey, we don't need this person anymore. They don't do anything, and they get rid of them. And they're like complete chaos and shoes because they were just doing their job so well they weren't even noticed. Yeah, that's a great saying. I think about that all the time. And if anything, because we're building Williams Corporation, I feel I overmanage. And I think I def- I think my my management skills need to be developed by trusting people more. I would say. Yeah. I think we're just um, hypochondriacs. We're like we care way more about really little insignificant things, which will probably eventually happen through the machine anyway. But for some reason, they haven't happened at the time we think or notice them. Like you said, it was like, why is there no signs on that site? We've owned it for a complete three days. There should be at least 20 signs around here telling people that we own the site and have a property for sale. And it was all like booked yeah. in and paid for and renders done and stuff. And in my head, I'm like, we've known for months we're going to buy this on Wednesday. There should be signs up like that day. But um, yeah. it's also and, the and whole thing. Sounds- was, as a business owner, you... There is the reality of you can't expect um, your staff, even managers, to have that same love and care for your business. Some will, some won't, but it's also like they haven't had the years or seen the growth or have as much like financial risk either at stake, upside or downside. Um, So it's going to be harder to get them to operate at that level. But I do think some can get very close and do an exceptional job at it. but yeah, business well, they just haven't just... seen, they haven't seen the whole picture that we've seen, and and they haven't had those really really brutal downtimes of what happens when you get it wrong, and the the problem with especially everyone that's been in Williams Corporation for the past six years, which is everyone, <laughs> um, <laughs> they they haven't seen the brutality of when you don't nail it. And you have to sack all your staff and you lose your money and it's terrible. So I guess they've only seen good times. And, and so suppose, that's why you were, yeah. And it's one of those things as well. Like we're probably the only ones that are um, across like all the departments. So we really get the synergy and the meta knowledge of if this doesn't happen, that affects that department over here, which affects that department here, which affects the sales team here, which affects that over here. Whereas, like, generally, staff might be fantastic at their job and their department, but they're not assigned correct priorities on tasks because of they're not, they don't understand the wider effects on various departments outside of themselves. But then also, I, I agree with your comment before about the sign, so let's just discuss that for a second. We have known on X job, we would have, so an average Williams Corporation job, we purchase it and six months later we pay for it and take ownership, right? So we have known for six months that we're going to settle that job on X date. Now, we have a clause in most of our contracts that at any time we can put up signs once we've confirmed and paid our deposit. So six months later, for 
the sign not to be installed on the day of settlement is bad. And and that manager, you need to sit down with that manager and say, I'm aware that you thought that within a week or two weeks of settlement was a reasonable time frame, and I understand why you have that opinion, but it isn't correct. At Williams Corporation, we do everything we can as soon as it can be done. We don't say that, oh, this can be done now, but I'll do it next week. We have a culture of executing on tasks immediately. And the first day it could be done was June the 1st, and it was expected to be done on June the 1st, short of a nuclear bomb exploding. And, and that's us as managers needing to educate people better. Yeah, well, it's a degree, I think, not, we must have covered another um, podcast episode of like, everything is your own fault. So at least when you pick up these things, of, okay, the signs really annoyed me. I believe that to be my fault. And it, whether it is or isn't, if you take that mindset, you're far more clear-headed to come up with a solution. And you go, do we actually have a clear sign procedure allocated to a specific department with a tracking sheet of what land acquisitions we have coming up when in confirmation we have permission to put signs up? And the answer is, we kind of do, but we don't. And that's why it didn't get done, because we trust... Well, we kind of do. We have, built, we have built a trend that documents everything perfectly. But yeah, but is it, it like, could does have it been with the marketing Because it's a cross between departments, like I spoke about before. It's the marketing team's job to make the sign, the project manager's job to put the sign up. But since there's a crossover, it's this grey area of, if the project manager doesn't chase me for the sign, then they must have it sorted. And if the marketing person doesn't chase the project manager, it's just this grey area. Yeah. So closing off business business to business relationships, don't get one-itis with one supplier. Always tender your your purchasing to multiple people and truly understand the market. It is irresponsible for you to just deal with one person because they're your buddy and not go out to the market and see if there's cheaper, better providers in the market. Second, once you have relationships and you have a commitment, e.g. a three-year service agreement for a printer, go above and beyond to build a relationship deeper than reasonably expected with the people you're doing business with. But don't confuse that with alcoholism. Don't think that, oh, you're building relationships because you're going to go have a beer with lunch, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's quite handy, though. Sometimes, well, no, having a drink and building relationships is separate. But don't, oh, oh, actually, no, I'll step down from my pedestal. Having a drink <laughs> is also awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. I reckon we nailed it. Yeah. So if that was any, any assistance, feel free to share this episode with one like minded individual. If it didn't, that's fine. Hopefully, there is another episode on our role or one coming out soon that'll be more beneficial. Um, As always, we really appreciate all the listeners and we hope to keep adding you value and we're always open to feedback or topic suggestions. Have a great day. Rock and roll. See you later, guys.